Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Abadisian, the Suburban Shaman, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Hello everyone, I'm Ani Abadisian. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three parts spirit, one part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism, give it all a good hard shake and pour, dress it with the olives of grace and empathy. Sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonder of cosmic co-creation. Add a hearty hello to everyone out there. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining me for yet another round of cocktails for this week's Metaphysical Martini, the show that tries to sort out what's true, what's woo, and what gets flushed down the loo. In today's, you fell for the biggest hoax perpetrated by Deep State, and now you're buying into the election illusion, confused, cantankerous, combustible little world. As always, we try to do this with as much grace and empathy as can be mustered on any given day. We are not always successful, I will admit that, especially these days, but we are honour-bound to give it a shot. And on this show, The Metaphysical Martini Show, we do love shots, yes we do. Our rally cry is, Awaken, O my people! Do not follow the path of the sheeple, and do not give our God cause to weeple. If you're joining us for the first time, a very warm welcome to you. But be advised, we do not do politically correct, because we do not wish to erode our intellect. We martini heads, we're straight-talking folk, straightforward folks. We may be direct, but we come from a core of respect. There's no frippery or fakery here to up our numbers. What you see is what you get. We value common sense, common decency, common courtesy, and America's national sovereignty. In fact, national sovereignty for all nations, for all beings. When we use labels, we do so for identification purposes. We are strictly non-partisan because we believe, quite rightly, that all parties are in the can. Our world has lost its moral compass, and without a moral compass, the political arena is nothing more than a never-ending power play, benefiting a small group of sociopaths gorging themselves on the fat of the land while the rest of humanity begs for crumbs under fully laden tables. And honestly, people, by now, with so many repetitions of the same scenario throughout the ages, humanity, gosh, we should know better. And that's what this show is all about looking at the bigger picture, stepping outside the carefully crafted establishment narrative. And I will say, and I mean this, it is not for the faint of heart. If you're one of the millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, perhaps billions, who would rather sleep comfortably in the manufactured illusion, if you are content to do as you're told, eat what you're given, Behave as ordered, conform, and believe everything that the daily spin churns out. This show is not for you. So move along now, move along, nothing to see here. If, on the other hand, you have capacity for objective thought and wish to better understand the marvels of cosmic co-creation, if you wish to enjoy your incarnation, well, you might hear something of value in the next hour. Who knows? I don't know. Who knows anything? We all thought we knew something, and then along came 2020. You know what, peeps? Life is an adventure. An adventure means grabbing the ball and running with it, not sitting at home in a vegetative state, contemplating the purpose of your left tit. I started this show because it became obvious to me after years, decades of working as a spiritual counselor 
and all the other shaman duties that come with it, marrying people, burying people, sitting with people in hospitals while they die, all of that, it became obvious to me that everyone is fundamentally miserable, living at best half-lives, and all because no one properly explains the tenets of metaphysics to the likes of John and Jane Doe. In my humble opinion, and we're all very well aware of my humility, books on the subject are, for the most part, softly written, and they barely scratch the surface. They repeat the same well-worn platitudes and until they become too smooth to give us an edge on our evolution. And that has made people soft and feeble-minded. Earth is one planet of billions, I think. And this incarnation, it's one chapter in the eternal tome of our individualized existence. We are magnificent beings, cosmic creations, wielding incalculable power. Yet look at us today, running around like vitriolic little ferrets, too hateful, too spiteful to question the value of such behavior, even as it eats us up alive inside. We have allowed a handful of money men to take control of every aspect of our lives, up to and now including the contents of our minds. How we perceive the environment should be a personal, individualized affair. What is consciousness, people? Consciousness is the sum total of our inner awareness, and therefore perception is an internal matter. There is no such thing as external perception. Somewhere along the line, our perception was hijacked, and the task of telling us what to think, how to think, when to think, was delegated by the money men, you know, the money men, to the media. It was given to the media, the mouthpiece of propaganda, the mouth of Sauron. They no longer accurately report the news. They create the narrative the establishment wants us to expect uh, accept as accurate and true. There was a time they reported the news. Now they don't. They make it up. The establishment tells them what to tell us. That is perceptual engineering, a phrase I use over and over and over again, and hopefully it will stick. And all this was done by the establishment so cleverly, so slowly over time, so cleverly. In fact, the perceptually engineered cannot accept that they have been hijacked. Any mention of brainwashing causes them to become ballistic, to go totally bonkers, which is a sure sign, of course, that their minds have been hijacked, because right-minded people have no problem reviewing their belief systems. They have no problem listening to other points of view and entertaining the possibility that they might be off track or not have the full story. In my opinion, in my experience, right-minded people engage in regular self-evaluation. They don't have to be coaxed or trained. You know, a right-minded person wants the truth, wherever it is and whatever it is. But a feeble-minded person, one whose perception has been manipulated and managed, cannot handle the truth because part of the manipulation is the creation of strong emotional triggers. Triggers bring up a variety of often dark, unprocessed emotions. And I'll be honest, it takes self-worth and maturity to deal with emotional processing. If you are sorely triggered by a challenge to your understanding of an event or an issue, you are on some level unstable and not convinced that your point of view bears merit, because as we know, the truth needs no defense. It needs exposure. What does PR stand for? Perceptional reprogramming, not for public relations. Someone states the truth. Truth is stated. If you believe what you know is true, it does not need to be constantly justified or rationalized and apologized for. Just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. Having the courage of one's convictions 
is generally a quiet affair. I know this to be true. You present it and you set out to do so in as calm and rational a manner as one is able to. But we have to accept we won't always be able to debate or discuss with people. Some people's frame of reference is too limited. An, an example for me is people always want to discuss deep state with me, but they don't believe deep state exists. So, you know, hello, I'm not responsible for the gaps in your education, and nor do I have time to waste with people who present themselves as imbeciles. If someone doesn't believe eggs exist, you're not there to discuss omelette recipes with them, are you? There's far too much time wasting out there today. Most of it is on social media, which I call the great unwashed mind of the world. Some of the things people say to me on social media, they wouldn't dare say that to me if they were standing in front of them. They wouldn't dare. All right, then, darlings, enough pontificating from moi. Let's get on with the show. Let's get on with the show. It's time for quack. Questions, answers and comments from you, the people. If you would like to share the contents of your fabulous minds on my fabulous show, send me an email, arnie at arnieabedician.com or snail mail to Cosmic Arnie, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon 97070, USA. And let me know if and how you wish to be identified or else we shall refer to you as omit personal details. All right, let's take a look at our little fishbowl of perpetual perplexity and let's see what comes out. And the first one is a postcard that says, oh, it's not. It says it's from Pizza Schmitza and it says Tuesday special, $15, any extra large pizza. I don't know how that got in there, but I'm going to hold on to that for Tuesday. All right, um, let's pick something else. <laughs> All right, here's a question, a real question that comes from Ellie. Who says or is it Eli I don't know I think it's Ellie and it says oh my god Ani <laughs> what is going to happen with this election I'm getting stomach ulcers my husband just put a slug of Jack Daniels in his root beer my sister-in-law has threatened to give birth to piglets and my nephew wants to join the Salvation Army well okay um, well First of all, let's state that we are recording this around um, November 11th, 2020. Um, so, you know, we have a, a frame of reference as to why this lady's family has gone completely mad. Um, second, I cannot believe your husband ruined his Jack Daniels by adding root beer. I mean, I know America has a soft spot for root beer, but to me, oh, it's an unpalatable concoction on a par with raw sewage. Uh, as for your sister-in-law threatening to give birth to piglets and your nephew joining the Salvation Army, uh, LOL, <laughs> either you have a severely dysfunctional family or you need to become a staff writer for Saturday Night Live. The election, yes, I think that's what you asked about. Yes, did you know what is going to happen with the election? Yes, well, uh, peeps are getting mighty wiggly over it, aren't they? Hmm. I'm not wiggly. I'm not nervous or edgy. We are in process. The media, they think they've announced a winner, but that is an illusion. There is no winner because we haven't done the whole due process thing and the media does not have the authority to declare a winner. Results of the election are never finalized on election night anyway. And in every U.S. state, state law explicitly allocates multiple days or weeks for officials to fully canvas and then certify the results. And let's be honest, you have to be an idiot not to see that there's ample evidence of fraud in multiple states. So there will be court cases. The Electoral College will meet in December 14, I think, to cast their votes. And then the federal law requires states to deliver the certified Electoral College results to the vice president serving as the president of the Senate and other parties by the fourth Wednesday in December. And this year, I think that's December 23rd. And even then, January the 6th, 2021, at 1 p.m., I think is when the vote count is finalized and the results are certified. And for all we know, the whole election could be considered invalid due to fraud. That would be terrible, I think. I mean, I think it's great because there's fraud and it needs to be invalid. But if it isn't cleared up by January the 6th, does that mean that the president would have to be Pelosi until we all make up our minds? And 
ah, I don't want to be rude, but this woman does a wonderful impersonation of a deranged vitriolic toothpick. Uh, hmm. Ellie, Eli, a uh, person with an E. I'm not going to make predictions because I know how timelines work, but I will say this much. It's not over. And let's not forget this is about freedom versus tyranny, sovereignty versus globalist slavery. And party politics can go have a big fat poo-poo. This is bigger than reds and blues flip-flopping each other's policies, lining their pockets while people eat out of trash cans and defecate in the streets. I marvel that people still go rah-rah for political candidates. My people good, your people bad. We finally get someone who's not a politician, willing to risk his life to expose the corruption, and boy, did we witness a chemical reaction from the dark side. Well, you know, let's hope there are some arrests for treason and crimes against humanity. Let's hope those are forthcoming, because that's what they deserve, and we the people deserve to see that happen. So many are not going to wake up until it is shown to them and shoved right up their noses. If it were up to me, there would be no government. I mean, not as we know it anyway. Maybe I should stand. Well, I can't really stand, can I, because I wasn't born in this country. I wish I was. Vote for me, Arnie Aberdeen. I promise a martini on every table and a chicken in every pot. Unless, of course, you're vegetarian. In which case, I will give you lots of extra olives with your martini. Okay, Ellie, Eli, person with an E in really bad handwriting, it's not time to wiggle out just yet. Be chill. All right, let me have a little sip of this cocktail here. Oh, yummo. Let's take another question from our listeners. I'm shaking up the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity as I speak. And here's one from Selby who says, Arnie, what if Satan wins? What if Agenda 2021, 2030, and whatever else they come up with are implemented? What if they force vaccinations on us and make us wear masks for the rest of our lives? I keep hearing trust the plan, but I cannot trust anyone anymore. What if this world is lost and we are just going through the motions, waiting to be exterminated? Well, there's a pleasant thought, but we have to admit it has crossed many a mind. Okay, Selby... Satan doesn't win. Satan has temporary dominion because darkness fools people. It obscures the truth. It alters our perception. And we become accustomed to groping in the dark. Then someone comes along and turns the lights on. And instead of being thrilled by the radiance, we are horrified to see the reality of our surroundings fully illuminated for the first time. And we panic. Oh! The truth is unfamiliar. Oh, it disturbs us. Oh, does that sound familiar? Well, of course it does, because that is exactly what is happening all around us now. Whatever you want to call Satan does take control from time to time, if we allow it to, by becoming feeble-minded. But satanic dominion is a temporary state of experiencing, because it's not real. It's an error in our perception. And it is not part of our true nature. Source energy has no opposite to it. Everything that is experiencing, good, bad, ugly, and in between, is a manifestation of source energy on an adventure. We are resilient beings, knowing that our true nature is cosmic, magnificent, and incomprehensibly beautiful. When we align with source, we can deal with whatever happens. If we look back at our past lives, Selby, we will find we overcome, well, we overcame incredible odds. How many lifetimes do you think we've experienced where we were enslaved, or subjugated, tortured, forced into indentured servitude, nearly starved to death, or froze to death, or boiled to death, or lived in a land where there was nothing to eat except boiled turnips? And yet... After a little rest and recreation in whatever you want to call heaven, we choose to reincarnate, to pick a new character, and play another round of World of Earthcraft. Choose your tunes carefully. Give some thought to the allocation of your gaming points. We are created to create, 
we get excited when we're about to incarnate. We get here and all get pretty hosed up. But we have to remember that we chose to come here. Satan is an error in perception. It's about allowing fear and the false ego to dominate. You don't fight that. You don't fight something that's an illusion. You reinforce the truth of what you are. Magnificent divine beings of incalculable power. Every thought we think writes a new storyline. Every action we take furthers the plot. We are still in the fight, Selby. We can play what if the what if, what if, what if until the cows come home. But it serves no purpose to give failure energy when we know we're winning. And we know we're winning. Why do we know we're winning? I will tell you why we know we're winning. We know we're winning because we are being relentlessly censored and misrepresented and ridiculed. If we were failing, they would leave us alone. So courage, mon ami. Qui audit adipiscitur. Or as they say in English, she who dares wins. A little courage goes a long way. Remember the establishment of sociopaths who do not co-create with source energy. What does that mean? It means they don't run stuff through the boss. They don't run stuff by the boss. They need energy to feed on. If they don't have divine energy, what energy do they need? Fear. They need our fear to feed them. Without our fear, they have no power. Honestly, it's that simple. But the devil is in the details, and details are used as distractions, so beware, take care, guard the sovereignty of your mind. All right, let's take another question from the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity. And this is from Omit Personal Details, who says, I came across this letter from a patriot organization here in St. Joseph's, Missouri. It resonated with me. I thought you might want to share it with your listeners. You have fans in St. Joe, by the way. We love the show. It is refreshing to have straight talk back in fashion. Well, thanks for that. Do you know what? I've been to St. Joseph's, Missouri. I have. My partner is from Kansas City, Missouri, and I love all things Americana. And I went to St. Joseph's because, well, one, her late grandmother used to live there, but I went there to visit the Patey House Museum, and I saw the hole in the wall that was made by the bullet that took down Jesse James. And that may not sound exciting to you, but <clears throat> I grew up in the UK, and we watched all the American cowboy stuff, the Virginian, Laramie, Bonanza, and until I grew up, I thought that all America was the Wild West and all Americans were cowboys and cowgirls. So all of this cowboy history to me, it's it's pure gold. I just love it. Oh, anyway, what was your question? Oh, yes. All right. I'll read the letter. <clears throat> so this is a letter from a patriot organization in St. Joseph's, Missouri. Um, that was I know who wrote it, but I don't have permission to say her name. So I'm just reading reading this letter, which I guess is to the world. To all the Republican congressmen and congresswomen out there who have successfully won their seats in the 2020 election, congratulations. But I've got to ask, where in the bleep, bleep, bleep are you? Do you really think you were successful in this election because of your wonderful personalities and your great political accomplishments? Well, you were not. You won this election because of the main because of the man in the Oval Office who changed the face of the Conservative Party, and because of the voters, like me, who vowed to give him the four years he didn't get in the first place. Funny how you all had enough votes to win. However, President Trump did not. Do you not think that's a little far-fetched? And are you really going to stand by and accept that piece of fantasy? I guess you are, as we, the voters, have not seen you lift a finger, nor your voice to help the man that saved not only this nation, but your grand old party as well. So I ask again, where are you Republicans? Woohoo! Wow. Well, to the lady who wrote that, I couldn't agree more. Politics is a mean-spirited arena. 
infested with swamp monsters. No matter who takes office in January, and it will be Trump, oh God, please let it be Trump, draining the swamp must continue or the waters will become murky and dangerous once again. And to those who say Republicans are bailing on POTUS, no, they're not. Those in the service of deep state are bailing out. Party affiliations mean nothing to the establishment, a.k.a. the cabal, a.k.a. the Illuminati. They have corrupted everyone right across the board. That is why I have no partisan affiliations. This election is a single issue election, freedom or slavery. Trump isn't running because he's a Republican. He's actually beyond all of that. He's running because he's an American and he sees his beloved country under threat from globalism, from new world order, from one world government, who want to homogenize, pasteurize, sanitize and dehumanize the entire planet and turn it into one mega corporation with us, we the people, as the indentured servants or slaves labor force. And they want to use all of the resources as their raw materials and their inventory. And it's all done very cleverly under the guise of liberalism, which has lost its meaning. It's not a bad thing. I'm so liberal, it's beyond, it's beyond comprehension how liberal I am. But this kind of liberalism that they are touting is fooling everybody, lulling everybody into a false sense of security. Just like that woman in New Zealand now, the prime minister, who is going to put everybody in internment camps if they don't get the test. Hmm. I have to say, I'm very sorry that they filmed Lord of the Rings in New Zealand. New Zealand's very proud of that, but I think their prime minister now thinks that she is the one that has the one ring to rule them all. Hey, thanks for bringing this letter to my attention, whoever you are. And a hearty hello and a heartfelt thank you to all of our listeners in St. Joe. And when I say whoever you are, yes, I know that, um, I don't know who you are. You didn't tell me. Fair enough. And I don't know who wrote the letter either. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now. Let's move on to another question, and I'll try to stick to the point. Our next question comes from Cloda in Labrador. Oh, my God, Cloda, do you really live inside a dog? <laughs> Just joking. Very bad joke. I apologize. I'll see myself out. Um, I know that Labrador is in Newfoundland, and Cloda says, I watched a couple of your YouTube videos, and you look like someone who enjoys bread. I want to share my soda bread recipe with you. I hope you enjoy it. Whoa, Cloda. Okay. They do say that the camera adds 100 pounds. <laughs> so Cloda sent this uh, recipe for soda bread. And I'm look, this show is about whatever you want to talk about. You want to talk about soda bread? We'll talk about soda bread. So um, her recipe is very basic. She says four cups of flour two teaspoons of baking soda, one teaspoon of salt, and one and three-quarter cups of buttermilk. It says preheat the oven to 425 degrees. Grease and flour a nine-inch round cake pan. In a large bowl, combine the flour, baking soda, and salt. Gradually stir in the buttermilk until the dough comes together in a slightly sticky ball. Turn the dough onto a floured surface and knead gently just a few times don't overdo it or it'll go hard. Form the dough into a ball. Press into the pan so that it resembles a large disc. Cut an X on the top. And then she says, cover the pan with another round cake pan turned upside down. That's novel. Okay. And then bake for 25 to 30 minutes covered. Then remove the top pan and bake uncovered. For about 10 minutes or more until the crust is dark golden brown. Well, that's a little bit different from my soda bread recipe, but you know what? I will try it. Thank you, Cloda. Thanks for watching my videos and picking up on the fact that I am quite a few pounds over optimum. And you know what? I love soda bread. I'm going to try this recipe uh, on Sunday morning, I think, and I'll let you know how it turns out. All right. 
I think it's time for a little drinky poo. Excuse me. Cheers, everyone. Mm. Wow, that's good. All right. Ah, oh, question, comment, answer, pizza recipe, who knows? Uh, this one's from Rob. Rob says, Oni, that's me. Do you think it is possible to reverse every illness and disease, or are there limits on what we can achieve while in human form? I have a serious medical challenge, but have refused the treatment offered by the hospital, as I am sure it will kill me before my condition ever does. I'm also concerned that they will misdiagnose me if I continue. I know what you mean. No need to say the word. Rob, um, mm, I do believe, honestly, in my heart of hearts, it is possible to overcome all and any disease if we are aligned with all that is. Now, sickness, all sickness, all disease, is ultimately an error in perception. Now, that doesn't mean we should beat ourselves up every time we get sick. After all, we're biological units, learning to live in harmony with our environment, and until we get that part down, we are bound to feel disease once in a while. I think harmony is the key word here. Uh, difficult with almost 8 billion people on the planet to find a harmonious consensus. The most important relationship we have is the one with supreme cosmic intelligence. If we accept our true nature, our cosmic divine magnificence, we're joining with the entire hierarchy of light and all the power and the wisdom of the entire cosmos singing the song of life with us. And that, my darlings, is some serious power. That is the primary vibration in our being. Unlimited. We are unlimited. When that is the prime vibe, we can overcome illness. We can overcome genetic coding. Genetic coding is not chiseled in stone. Epigeneticists, oh, I'm glad I got that word out properly. Epigeneticists are telling us this now. Of course, shamans have always known this, but they're telling us that your thoughts affect your coding. Well, it's basic Heisenberg principle. Whatever we think has an effect. Our thought forms can change the codes as easily as we turned our post-Big Bang thought forms into physical matter. The trick is to spend time each and every day focusing on our true nature until we take it for granted, you know, our cosmic divine nature, until we take it for granted and it is almost mundane. That's important. It's a part of our being. It's almost mundane. And when we take it for granted, that's when it becomes our reality on this plane. And once we achieve that, then the mundane is magic. We can make marvelous things happen. So focus on the perfection of your being. Focus on how much your creator adores you. Focus on the marvel of being a soul, having an adventure as a human on a planet in a galaxy far, far away. And in spite of all the craziness we're currently experiencing, this is an excellent time to further our spiritual practice because a tremendous amount of Christed light is pouring into our world to help us negotiate the madness. Hey, Rob, send me another email if you'd like me to send you a couple of short protocols to help you get started. I'd be more than happy to do that. And I thank you for writing in. And you know what, man? I have this gut feeling you're going to be okay. I really do. Your head's in the right place. And that's where it's at. So thank you, Rob. Good luck to you and yours. Uh, where are we with time? Oh, I think, what time? Time, time, all time and space exists at once. So we can take another two or more questions. Let's see what else the little fishbowl of perpetual perplexity has to offer. Here's another postcard. And it's not a pizza coupon. And it's from London, my hometown. Yay, London. And Jonathan. Jonathan says, hello, Arnie. What if you are wrong about God and wrong about everything you believe in? What if you die and there is nothing? Well, Jonathan, when I die and there is nothing there, 
I won't be able to answer your question. And if there is nothing there, none of it will matter anyway. So I guess we'll both find out on the other side if there is another side. And if there isn't another side, well, that's that then, isn't it? One more question uh, from David who asks, Arnie, do animals have souls? We, we get a lot of questions about animals and souls. Uh, we do. So I'm not going to go into great details, but uh, yes, they do. Everything has some sort of a soul if it's alive. Even plants have life force. But here's a rough guide. If the animal has a pineal gland, and nearly all vertebrate species have a pineal gland, it is an individualized soul. If not, then it's part of a sort of soul energy collective. How do you know if it has a pineal gland? Well, you could ask a biologist or look it up, or you could see if the damn thing has a personality. The more individualized the personality, the more individualized the soul. And let's take another quickie. And again, this is from Omit Personal Details. Um, what? It's from a person, but they don't want me to, you know, I think we get this. Okay. Do you believe, as you have said on many occasions, that the two-party system or any multi-party system will be replaced, and if so, by what? I think we're too confused to figure it out. What do you think? Well, okay, opposite sides create discord. If we the people wake up, we'll find that we don't need that. <laughs> we don't need people who wish only to further their party and how much power their party holds. We don't need flippity-floppity. We need one unit of government. Um, we'll call it that for now, government that seeks to further the prosperity of the nation it serves, and we need short-term limits for those who serve on that body. As a shaman, I can tell you that it is written in the Book of Light for this planet that America shall have one body, the servants of the American Republic. I'm not saying that's what it will be called, but that is what their function is, should be, and will be. There is no other way forward. Everything else is flip and flop, uh, stab and chop, isn't it? The current system seethes with corruption, with depravity, feeding on the fears of a brainwashed populace. If we're proactive, if we engage in our civic duties and throw out the immoral, degenerate deviants passing themselves off as politicians, there's no reason why this cannot be achieved. And unless it is achieved, it's just round after round of flip-flop, stab and chop. We have to make this happen. Because at this time, on this realm, where America goes, there goes the world. And that is a spiritual destiny, my darlings, we must fulfill with all diligence and honor and without hesitation. I know that so many people do not see it. They still think it's about Democrats and Republicans and a few little libertarians in one corner, a few little green people in the other corner. That's not where we're at. You cannot have left and a right opposing each other. Left and right balance the body. It is the most obvious thing in the world, and still nobody sees it. It was set up not for balance. It was set up to keep people in a constant state of threat perception and confusion. If it was any more obvious, it would shove itself up your nose and go, look, how obvious am I? But still, people don't see it. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to write in. I do appreciate it, as do the other listeners who enjoy hearing your point of view. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Thank you for taking the time to write in. And now, since we're celebrating Veterans Day, I would like to dedicate our poetry segment, a little pat of poetry to all veterans. Veterans Day honors all those who have served the country in war or peace, dead or alive, although it is largely intended to thank living veterans for their sacrifice. And it was originally called Armistice Day, commemorating the end of World War I. World War I officially ended when the Treaty of Versailles was signed on June 28, 1919, 
However, the fighting ended about seven months before that, when the Allies and Germany put into effect an armistice on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. And for that reason, November 11, 1918, was largely considered the end of the war to end all wars. Publicity stunt for the establishment there, because clearly it wasn't. And at that time, it was dubbed Armistice Day. 1926, Congress officially recognized it as the end of the war. And in 1938, it became an official holiday, primarily a day set aside to honor veterans of World War I. But then, because it wasn't the war to end all wars, we had World War II, we had the Korean War, and there had been many other wars. June 1st, 1954, at the urging of the veterans' service organizations, Congress amended the commemoration yet again by changing the word armistice to veterans. So the day would honor American veterans of all wars. Fair enough, I say. And for a while, the Veterans Day date was changed, and everybody was confused and very unhappy about that. 1968, I believe, Congress signed the Uniform Holiday Bill to ensure that a few federal holidays Veterans Day included, would be celebrated on a Monday. Uh, why did they do that? Well, officials hoped it would spur travel and other family activities over a long weekend, which would stimulate the economy. Everything's always done to stimulate the economy. Um, but for some inexplicable reason, the bill set Veterans Day commemorations on the fourth Monday of every October. And 1971, October 25, was the first Veterans Day under this new bill. Uh, there was a lot of confusion and people didn't like it. And some of the states kept celebrating in November. So within a few years, it became pretty apparent that U.S. citizens wanted to celebrate Veterans Day on November the 11th. So it was a matter of uh, historic and patriotic significance to them. 1975, General Ford said, OK, let's do it. So starting 1978, I think it was a yes, it was. It was 1978 when it was official that Veterans Day was back to being November the 11th. And it's a multinational effort, of course, because World War I was a multinational effort. Canada, Australia, both call November 11 Remembrance Day. Uh, Great Britain, we call it Remembrance Day too. And we have parades and two-minute silence, and of course there's poppies. Well, that's your little history of, uh, of Veterans Day. But there's a poem um, one of my very favorite poems, a very deeply touching poem, written by Lawrence Binion, who was a British poet, an art scholar, and a dramatist. And he wrote this when he was sitting on the clifftop, looking out over the sea from the scenery of, uh, of, of northern Cornwall, a beautiful, rugged coastline we have there. Um, and he wrote this in mid-September 1914, a few weeks after the outbreak of the First World War. Um, during those, you know, those weeks, the British Expeditionary Force suffered some serious casualties, uh, and it was quite clear that this was going to be one heck of a war. You'll recognize some parts of it, but here's the entire poem for the fallen. With proud thanksgiving, a mother for her children, England mourns for her dead across the sea. Flesh of her flesh they were, spirit of her spirit, fallen in the cause of the free. Solemn the drums thrill, death august and royal sing sorrow up into immortal spheres. There is music in the midst of desolation and a glory that shines upon our tears. They went with songs to the battle, they were young, Straight of limb, true of eye, steady and aglow. They were staunch to the end against odds uncounted. They fell with their faces to the foe. They shall not grow old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. They mingle not with their laughing comrades again. They sit no more at familiar tables at home. They have no lot in our labor of the daytime. They sleep 
beyond England's foam. But where our desires are and our hopes profound, felt as a wellspring that is hidden from sight, to the innermost heart of their own land they are known, as the stars are known to the night, as the stars that shall be bright when we are dust, moving in marches upon the heavenly plain, as the stars that are starry in the time of our darkness, to the end, to the end, they remain. For the Fallen by Lawrence Binion, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful touching poems ever written on any theme. There is, of course, no nobility to war. There is no good reason why man should murder man, woman should murder woman. Of course, reasons for that are made up. And even though there is no nobility to war, great acts of nobility are committed during times of war. For it stretches us, it brings out the very best in us and the very worst in us. And I will just say that a great number of my clientele are veterans, and it is my honor and my privilege to minister to you. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart, not for your service necessarily in war, that's a given, but to the fact that you still serve America now, even without your uniforms. You have not forgotten your vows and you have not forgotten your oaths. And I am very proud to stand with you as you stand with Americans everywhere to make sure that the globalist threat will never take over this great country. Whew. All right. Hey, you know what? We spare every expense to bring you good sound effects. <laughs> and now it's time for Tarot-A-Go-Go. -Go. A little what the heck with your favorite tarot deck. And as you know, we're going through the minor arcana, um, you know, the minor suites, not the major, the minor. But you know what? This week, given the pre-awakening existential crisis we find ourselves in, Instead of discussing one card, I thought we'd do a four-card pick and call it the, oh my God, what is going to happen next during this election spread? So here we go. I am going to take a moment to shuffle the deck and shuffle, 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 shuffle. And uh, I'll shuffle with one hand. I'll have a little sip of this drinky. Oh, lovely. And back to two hands. And I'm going to pick... Four cards. And we're going to see what the pool of potential holds for us. I'm cutting. One, two, three. And picking cards. One, two, three, four. All right. So the first card I have is the hanged man. The chappie in the red, red tights and the blue tunic hanging upside down from a tree. And this card, it's all about perception. He's hanging upside down, but is he? Is it actually easier for him to tell the truth when he's hanging upside down? Because perhaps the truth is a lie and the lie is the truth. So I think that sums up our current state of awareness right now. The world is not what it seems. The corruption is all around. Everything is built on shifting sands. It's all illusion. That's what the hangman means. So there's a lot more to the world than what we see. We need to dig deeper. The second card is the chariot. Chap in his lovely shiny armor there. Chariot actually doesn't seem to be moving. Those who study the tarot know that. Um, but he does have two little lovely sphinxes that would draw the chariot for him. One black, one white. Flip-flop, all sides, the light and the dark. He's moving away, though, from a city, a walled city behind him. And the chariot, of course, means action. Something needs to be done. We need to move away from the illusion that the hanged man is seeing. 
So we've got the corruption and the altered perception and the confusion. The chariot is coming in to go, hurrah, come on, everybody. Let's drive this thing through town. Let's shout from the rafters, action. Everybody wake up. Everybody wake up. It's time for action. And while he's running around, what is his purpose? Is he just running around just for the sake of running around? He's, you know, he's shouting out to people, trying to get them to realize something. And the card that I picked right after that is the justice card. The balance of justice. And that can be the laws of our land or it can be karmic justice. But of course, when we think about it, they're intertwined. And the last card I picked is number eight in the major arcana, fortitude, strength. A gentle maiden closing the mouth of a fierce lion. This means that love over hate, intellect over confusion. This couldn't have worked out better if I had tried. <laughs> the hanged man is where we are now and all the people waking up. The chariot are all the awakened running around trying to wake everybody else up. Justice is what is coming. And I think it's going to be a bit of a longer haul than we thought to get this all sorted out. But if we stay the course, that's what the strength means to me. This maiden, she is not afraid of the lion. She knows that she stands in truth and light. And therefore, she's just gently approaching the lion, gently closing its mouth. She is not afraid, for she is in the right. And what this says to me is, yep, people are waking up. Yep, we're taking the correct action. Yes, there will be justice. And let us show grace on the other side of this, which will not be easy for a great many people, especially those who have been insulted, ridiculed, marginalized. But if you are standing in God's truth and in God's light, then the false ego is diminutive within you. So you shouldn't take offense. We understand that people's minds have been controlled. There's been brainwashing. People are terrified and they're locked in fear. So they're not themselves. They're not in their right mind. So I, for one, will make every effort to show as much grace as possible on the other side of this as people awaken. So that, my darlings, is the tarot a go-go for today. Now, we're not going to have time for Plato chips or the cryptic mystic, but I thought what we would do is a little citizen in the Constitution, because without civics, your opinion is nothing more than noise pollution. So today I'd like to present the concept of freedom of speech, something that is being hurriedly buried even as I speak. You know, I collect a great many books. I'm a book lover. I'm surrounded by books. I fall over my books. And um, it's been very difficult to find textbooks for school children on the Constitution anymore. And this was something that was, uh, you know, readily available up until a couple of decades ago. Um, I want to recommend a series called We the People, The Citizen and the Constitution. Um, I've been finding them um, on second, in secondhand bookstores uh, all over the place. Make some phone calls and see if you can't uh, find them, The Citizen and the Constitution. So today I just want to uh, talk about freedom of expression a little bit. Freedom of expression, because we're being censored. Well, the liberals aren't being censored because they've forgotten what it is to be a liberal. I'm a liberal, but I'm not one of those. We're being censored. Anything to do with patriotism and sovereignty, let's put it that way. Let's not use liberal conservative. Anything to do with sole sovereignty, national sovereignty, freedom of speech, making up your own mind, all of that is being censored. 
And the terms that we need to understand are assembly, expression, petition, press, and speech. So if someone says to you, why is freedom of speech important? What would you say? Well, you have to understand what the terms are to begin with. So briefly, speech is the right to talk about your beliefs, ideas, or feelings. Surely we have that right. <laughs> Press is the right to read and write whatever you wish. Assembly is the right to meet with others to discuss your beliefs, ideas, or feelings. And petition is the right to ask your government to correct things that you think are wrong or to do things that you believe are needed. The rights to freedom of speech, press, assembly and petition are all part of freedom of expression. An expression means to communicate your beliefs, ideas or feelings to others. And the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights protects our right to freedom of expression. Our constitution limits the powers of our government in order to protect those freedoms. Under our constitution, the government cannot interfere with those rights except under very special circumstances. Now, this is a longer subject than we have time for. But if you have children who are not being taught civics, I think it's time you did something about it. Because people were taught civics up until a little while ago. Because no government now is going to give you the power to overthrow them. They don't want people to be proactive. They want people to believe whatever they are told to wear masks and submit to inoculation and become automatons. And all of this is very simply, we can fix this by teaching each other to reclaim our minds and to go back to the original founding of this nation and follow its history and take a look at why, why freedom of expression was so important to the founders. You know, throughout history, governments have tried to stop people from spreading new ideas. Throughout history, governments have tried to stop people from criticizing government actions. And in America, the colonies had suffered and died in some instances for that. So people, we are at a crossroads here, a karmic crossroads. We need to make sure that we are going forward in the light and that we're not submitting to another thousand years of darkness. Please take some time every single day to wake up and think about why you support a candidate. Is it because of a political party line? Because it shouldn't be. Parties have lost their meaning. It's all rubbish. It's all money. It's all corruption. Right now, it's about freedom versus tyranny. Don't worry about what the party says. Take a look at the individual candidates and try to put all of your egos aside and try to figure out why they are putting themselves through such a shit show where it benefits them personally not. Well, have I pontificated enough? I think I have. My darlings, I think that's it for today. I finished my drink, and that always means the end of the show. And I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it, because I had a blast. I always do. Chatting with you all brings meaning to my strange, paranormal little life. Today's real-life martini was a ret butler, because I love the way folks in the South speak. They say things like, Buttercup is my doggie. And they say things like, you ain't got the brains God gave a goose. <laughs> ah, to all my Southern clients, I love you. Rep Butler, two ounces of Southern Comfort, half an ounce of orange curacao, half an ounce of fresh lemon juice, half an ounce of fresh lime juice, one teaspoon superfine sugar. 
Fill a shaker with ice, add all the ingredients, give it all a good hard shake, strain and pour and enjoy. Now remember folks, cocktails are great if they are an occasional treat. If you use top quality ingredients and take the art of mixology seriously, one drink is all you need. I'm Arnie Abedissian. This was Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful. Until we meet again, let the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini Show with Ani Abedissian, the suburban shaman, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Thank you.